Welcome to the Cali Ag Podcast. I'm Tyler Colombaro, and I'm the host of this podcast. This podcast will ultimately be an exploration into all aspects of California agriculture, from the crops, to the land, to the water. Listener, if you were not aware, the state of California provides an unquantifiable amount of produce to the world. We will feature guests on each episode that work and lead the agricultural trajectory and symbiosis within the state of California. So listener, join us, tell your friends, and tell a farmer about the Cali Ag Podcast. Folks, we are here with Memo Trejo. He's an agricultural consultant. He's also a Cali Ag Podcast correspondent. Daily, you might catch him on the east side of the valley in Reedley, California. He might even be over there on the other side of Fresno on the west side. And maybe, just maybe, you could even catch him out at the Wake House getting served a drink by yours truly. But today... He is here with us on the Cali Ag Podcast to share what's up with California agriculture, what he's seeing through his eyes for our ears. What have, hey, you, been, what have you been seeing out there, Memo? How are you? Hey, I'm doing just fine. God bless America. You know what I'm saying? But the fruits in demand. Summer's here. The weather's changing. It's getting hot. It's getting those cold nights still. You know, barbecue season, obviously, but the fruit is in, is in demand. Hell yeah. What kind of fruit do you see coming off already, bro? I see peaches and uh, apricots and uh, nectarines and some of that white flesh coming on down already, too. How are they looking? They're looking good. I think uh, growers, some growers are picking a little early just to meet the demands already because people want that white flesh. People want those peaches already, those apricots. So, you know, and then how the weather kind of messed everything up, you know, delayed everything, too, so... And everybody wants it, so they're picking a little bit of green, I think, you know. Right. But hey, you know, it's just uh it's just what it is, you know. Right, man, for sure. You gotta have that ingredient, that special ingredient to be able to make that recipe. Right. We had a lot of excess rain this year, you're right, bro. And and I had a I had my buddy uh Anthony Garcia from Zager Genetics come on this podcast a couple weeks ago and he was talking about how, you know, those late rains, um, they definitely offset some stuff, especially with stone fruit, you know. Um, yeah, I, I got listening to that. What do you think about that? Do you think that the rains had a say in how some fruit maybe came off a little later or there was just excess water making like and, and some late freezes along with it, making like a lot of the blooms that were lower on the tree fall off? That's something he was saying. Yes, that's definitely what's going on there with the with the water bringing down the blooms and just more scarce, you know, than other times they get either heavy set or light set. So definitely plays a big role. Right, bro. It's been pretty wild, too, because, I mean, gosh, bro, we see all this water flowing down the river. It's going all over the place. Everybody's having yeah, a heyday with the water. Yeah, beaches no more. They're all closed down. For real. Here in California, it's all closed down, both Cricket Hollow and uh, the Reedy Beach area. Yeah, no shit, bro. And then and then downstream, though, what's even more awesome is the Tulare Lake bed filling up, bro. Have you seen that? Yeah, I, I made a trip down toward, towards Corkman out there, and uh, that lake's just reappearing. Dude, how like it? I've seen some footage. I need to actually go and just see it with my own eyes. The footage I've seen from like drone yeah, shots, the, it's like as far as you prison, can see, bro. Or by the 
Gardens and all around that area is, was built like in the Lake Bay, I think. So it's all under like in the they got a they got the frontage lake right at their footsteps. I think the prison does out there in Corcoran. It's pretty crazy. Dude, I feel like the water's as far as you can see. It's a big ass lake. And notoriously and historically, it was a huge lake. It was like the biggest lake, freshwater lake, this side of the Mississippi. And they drained it to, you know, grow more crops and stuff. And maybe we've had some decades where we had a little drought problems, you know. But now that we had a heavy rainfall and precipitation year in California, whoo, dude, all that water's got to go somewhere, bro. And it's filling it up back. that old lake, bro. Yep, it came back. It's beautiful, I think. I know some people, you know, they're like, well, it's taking a bunch of ag land out of growing. And it's like, okay, well, so then do you want to build another lake or reservoir that's not being farmed somewhere? No, like we we just got to do what we can, man. It's beautiful how water moves in the state. It really is. It goes all over the place. And a lot of dams actually do make that possible. I know I see a lot of people talk about like, we need more dam water. And I get what they're saying, but I also don't get what they're saying because every river and stream in California, minus like a couple, like two or three, aren't dammed. Right. All of them are dammed at certain points. And that's how we have water all year round. We just can only squeeze so much out of it. There's a maximum in which we have yeah, control over. is very valuable. Right. You got to hold on to the resources as much as you can and grow these good, these good crops. Hell yeah, bro. So did you go swimming in the Tulare Lake? No, no, no. I didn't get my, <laughs> my feet wet. <laughs> I, don't, I wouldn't want to, bro. I don't think, man. I don't know. There's some wild shit underwater out there. I think there my right chances are from afar. <laughs> yeah, for real, bro. But what a piece of history it is, man. What a year it's been um, with all these rains and all this water that we're having. It's pretty epic. What else are you seeing out there, bro? What's what's What what other crops could we talk about that you're witnessing? Well, the, the cherry growers are almost done already. All done already. So they're getting ready to uh, tune the, the orchards, you know, get them ready for next year already and whatnot. Cherries have been looking good? Yeah. Cherries have been good. I know I've had some. They were bomb. I bought some on the corner somewhere around here, and they were bomb. Yeah, I got my guys beaming baskets, bags, and when they go work and stuff. So, I Hell appreciate yeah. that stuff. Yeah, dude, for sure. Um, what about almonds? You work with almonds much? All the time. Obviously, it's the biggest the, problem. Ready to trim the little trees. And shaking them up, you know, make sure they don't get break, getting them ready for the future. Those tuffles and things are needed. You guys, do you ever get hit? You get hit by a lot of pests, pests like a lot of insects. Yeah, but most of the time the grower has their the pests like come out and their apply application. But they did a lot of uh, airplane application on their on their pesticides a lot because uh, you know. How remote some areas are, you know, the almonds or better access, you know? Right. <laughs> that kind of brings me to my next question in a way, though, because we're talking about applying pesticides with plane or whether they use it a tractor with a pull-behind method of some kind. This mechanization in agriculture is just, it's just coming up and up and up, and it's all going that way. And I feel like you and I discussed this on the last time you had came on the podcast. Yes. Um, but with these with these uh, new machines and mechanization factors of California agriculture, I feel like there is a balance between human hands and machine requirements. And what I mean by that is there's there's rising labor costs, and that's human labor. 
So, you know, minimum wage keeps going up and up and up. And that's the minimum wage. So that's the only thing that a farmer is going to pay or that a contractor is going to pay a field worker, basically, is minimum wage. But that being said, if it keeps coming up, we're going to keep paying out higher and higher wages, which is taking away from the profitability of that farm operation. But it's a good thing because you got to pay your employees. you got to pay your workers. But there's this yeah. fine, delicate balance now between machine work and human work. And what's crazier to me is that fuel costs keep climbing and climbing as well. And all these people yeah, that, a, that, that work balance. on these machines want more of a salary per year. And you have to have a, a human be working on the machine. The machine doesn't work on itself. We're not anywhere near that realm yet. So we still have this balance of human and machine. Like and it's, for instance, uh, blueberries, for instance, uh, some growers say it's hand-picked the first pick and then the second pick they'll do they'll bring in the machines, you know? And then as far as like the cost per hour, you know, you got another uh, guys picking per per unit, you know, like per bins and stuff, contract piecework, you know. But sometimes you can't get over that. Well, the hour going up or the the wage. Right, bro. It's pretty crazy. Like, and then, and then if you're paying for fuel though, like for these machines and you're paying someone to work on them, a pretty good salary, I would imagine, um, is, I feel like it's comparable to what you would pay a field crew, whatever operations you have to do hourly or piecework or whatever per day, you know, um, it, it, at a certain point, it feels hella expensive and shit. How are we going to run hella tractors and, 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 and whatnot and machines that are going to rely on some kind of form of energy. And if the cost of energy is super high, it's almost like, are we paying the same or just a little bit less than if we were paying human hands to do the job? Like, it's a trip. Don't you get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a balancing act. And, and we just got to be efficient at all ends, you know. Right. Definitely watch uh, any this nuts around. But just definitely got to keep maintaining yeah, dude, it's a trip, man. And and uh, I don't know. I, I'm not, not a fan of mechanization in agriculture and in, and in all facets, but I do have some resentment towards machines taking over humanity, you know, all their jobs. I kind of do. I think a lot of people do, but the bottom line is the bottom line. And if it still is effective and efficient and it can do what it, one machine can do what like a thousand men can do, I understand why we use them. Well, you got those you know? hedgers, you know, those big mechanical hedgers for the almonds. You know, they go in there and they trim thousands of acres, hundreds of acres, you know, right. at a time. And so. Right. It's not even just about, uh, like, time costs. It's about the economic factor, really, right? Because the time that it would take for a human, human crews to go prune that same almond field uh, versus a machine hedging it all in. Um, yeah, is you uncomparable. Can only get away with doing that so many times, and then you gotta bring in the human hands, the experts, and that's us, and then come in and actually micro micromanage that pruning, and and get a, get a something consistent going in the orchard. You know where there's a balance. Like I see with the with the fruit that's coming off the tree, and any tree, you know, you just gotta find a balance in there. Well said, bro. I like the way you think. I think that that's exactly what's going on. There's this fine balance between the two, man. It's pretty amazing. So, Memo, like, are you bilingual? Most definitely. You speak English, Spanish. Do you speak anything else? Uh, just English and Spanish, and just uh, understand some uh, some other some other different languages. <laughs> yeah, that's wild, bro. How important is it in agriculture to be bilingual? Do you think? 
it's important, but the most important thing that you got to have is just the, the eagerness and in, in, in farming, you know, because I think that's going to break every all language barriers is uh, be able to show someone how to plant a fruit, vegetable, or, or, or even the, when you cook something, you know, and, you know, and people go to your, your restaurant or to your place to try this meal you prepare, but yeah, but English and Spanish is definitely out there in, in my culture, but Spanish, it helps out a lot, you know, obviously, a lot of uh, workers are, are Mexican workers, you know? Right, and and, and I, I guess that's exactly why it would be important to know Spanish, is because a lot of the labor force is Spanish-speaking. And I, I see, as time has gone on, though, that labor is usually contracted out. So essentially, say there's a grower, say they have a last name, they own this farm. They're not necessarily meeting each field laborer, you know, and, and shaking their hand and having a conversation with them. They're calling the the ag, uh, uh, basically whoever's contracting out labor and making a deal with them. The, the contractors, the, the, the ones that are going to send out workers to that field, and they're who's actually paying them, correct? Yes, correct. But you know, you got... Uh a different wave of growers on everywhere, you know, because some growers do actually don't go out and talk to the workers and some growers don't have time for that, you know, but it's just like, you can't really hold anybody too much in, in like, oh, that they didn't spend time to say hi to me or appreciate me. You know, you just gotta know that your, your work ethic has to be 100 in yourself when you come to the agriculture field, you know, or industry and any part of, in any part of business you come into, whether it be the field work or packing house or, Storages and trucking and so the, you know? the most important language then is being eager is what you're saying then huh yes and then be able to be able to have some type of work ethic man you know but that sometimes uh, uh the way you talk to people has to be watered down a little bit because the way back then you'd be able to talk to a person like hurry up let's move on and let's get things done you know and nowadays you can't really talk like that you gotta like, be like okay well maybe we can be more productive or in, in, in some words, you know? You mean like you have to be nicer about telling people what to do? It definitely. <laughs> in, in work environment, like because people are yeah, so sensitive these days? or what? It's, just, it's most definitely, that's the kind of part, the hardest part, I guess, about being an entrepreneur is just uh, seeing where, you, where you're at and what kind of people be working for you, you know? And that's make sure everyone's on the same page that, you know, that works Number one in Paramount that, you know, accidents, we got to be working in an accident-free environment, you know? Right. Same environment, environment, the safe environment, they say. So it's like, but you never know what's going to happen in front of you, you know, like in this fog, in this weather, you know, in this industry, in the, uh, in the, in the fruit business, you know? Yeah. So you're right. Another important language to speak in agriculture is safety it's, and, and, and logic. You know, use your mind, you know, don't cut your fucking hand off or your finger off while you're pruning. Well, like, yeah, you can't have loose clothing around the uh, machinery that's turning around. You know, you've, you've heard of accidents uh, of uh, people, women, people with long hair or loose clothing getting stuck in machinery. And that's not very good. It's not good for anybody. You ever uh, have any like labor or yourself or anything come across like rattlesnakes get bit by a rattlesnake or like a black widow or something like yeah. that out in the field? Yeah, yeah, it's most definitely every time uh, they're doing some suckering on the on the baby trees and they pull the carton up, they'll turn into either a 
brown recluse or, or black widow or spider or maybe even a snake sometimes. But it's just like, I think, uh, sometimes I think, I don't know, the insects or animals know that you're there to do your job. You're not really there to, to bother them. But I guess they're, they might be feisty at that moment and they're going to bite you or, or bite somebody, you know? Right, so, yeah. Because you're all covered in dirt, your hands are all covered in dirt, so like, we're just kind of like when I'm moving around too, just like them. But I think if you if you, you mess up their home front, insect or snake, you're going to get a, a not welcome sign on the front. Right, exactly, bro, for sure. Like, you'd be r rustling through these vines or whatever, all crazy, trying to tie them up, cut them at the same time, and there's just a black widow just trying to do his thing. It's like, whoa, 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 bitch, what are you doing? You're messing with my yep. my house, bro. This is my yep. house. This is my hunting grounds, and you're tampering with it. And it doesn't even know that you're trying to just do your job. It, it, it doesn't think you're coming after it, or it doesn't know you're not coming after it, but it thinks you might be. So it has to defend itself, or just like a birds, snake. You know, those birds, they, uh, their eggs on the floor there, and, and they come around to they just buzzing around you know, it's just like wondering why. So it's because it's had a nest right there nearby, you know? Oh, yeah, the keel deers, right? The ones that are like, uh, they go beep, 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 and yeah, they run yeah, around you. Ones. Yeah. Yeah, those ones. <laughs> They're cool, bro. The keel deers, bro. They lay their little eggs. People, if you don't know, listener, if you don't know, like there's there's a bird, it's called a keel deer, and I bet you've come across it, and it just starts going beep, 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 beep and it's running around, and it's almost like it's distracting you. It's trying to say, hey, it Come here. Come over here because yeah, you're close to my eggs. Get over here. Don't go my near it's, my eggs. You know, it throws you off. It's trying it's to confuse funny. It's you. So it's so true. It's amazing, honestly. There's so many uh, there's so many creatures that are like that, you know. Um, bugs, dude. Insects. Huge thing in agriculture. They're very creative. The leaf-footed bug. I'm sure you're aware of this one. It's a, it's the big one that, like, it fucks up almonds big time. It puts its little stylet into the nut, sucks all yeah. the juice out, does it to figs, it does it to, gosh, anything that it probably could get its hands on. But almonds, it's a serious pest of. And those things are very smart. Like, you go in the field, dude, and if you're looking for them, I used to work in research with them, and we'd be looking to hunt them. And they would be in fields that weren't being sprayed with any insecticides they weren't being sprayed with anything it was uh, so, so we like could organic uh, no i don't know it was just the point was to like not kill any of the possible natural um what, what we call it uh like the the possible specimens that we're trying to collect so we wanted right. a non-contaminated right so we were trying to find live natural wild forms but of these yeah, insects. Yeah, when they're being wild, when there's no regulation towards them, yeah. Right, and and, and dude, they, you couldn't find them half the time. You'd find them and, and they would, they'd roll around the leaf. Like they'd see you coming and they would like climb around the leaf and then you'd walk around the leaf and it would climb around the other side. Like it's like, uh, like you know, in the cartoons where they're going around the the, yes. the revolving door and you just can't catch them, like Scooby Doo, bro, and the ghosts, right. and we're trying to catch the ghosts. And, and these bugs, dude, they're elusive. Then they fly off. And then you hear one fly right by your head, bro. And then you're like, dude, where did it go? They're smart, bro. And then, and then they lay these little these little um, eggs, right? They lay eggs. They look like a brick laid bricks laid in a line. And those are its eggs. Then they eventually hatch. They're little nymph leaf-footed bugs. They're small baby leaf-footed bugs that can't uh, fly yet or anything. They just try to find like a nut, a pistachio, an almond or something to feed on temporarily, a peach maybe, to feed on and suck little holes in. And they all congregate together. 
all yeah, these little insects. Right they, the yeah, like they, they all uh, they, they send out a pheromone. They all congregate together. It's called an aggregation pheromone, and they all stay together, right? So if you could like find them in the field, you could knock them off into like a cup or or something and, and, and harvest them, right, to collect them or to kill them, I guess. But man, what a job that would be. So instead, <laughs> they try to spray yeah, pesticides. Imagine going down a row of these insects that when you walk and you try to catch them, they're, they're elusive, let alone a tractor spraying something out of the back end. It's yeah, just going to be blowing them all away. They're, they're going to fly away before the insecticides applied and set for the babies though. Right. But the adults guaranteed they're not going to be hit by the pesticide. They're going to fly away and they're going to be wow. like, fine. Maybe afterward they could come across that pesticide if it's somehow systemic or if it's in the nut and it could suck the nut and it would in, in turn ingest some of the pesticide. But most likely that'd be a raw, pe that'd be a pretty rugged pesticide that probably wouldn't be allowed in California. Cause that mean it'd have no. to be absorbed into the fruit somehow and shit. So like these bugs are pretty elusive and there's something to be had with. And the reason why I was talking about it is cause they're intelligent, man. I don't, yeah. we're talking about intelligent creatures out there in the fields, man. That's one of them. All those bugs, the navel orange worm so moths, they fly away, dude. They lay the little eggs and the little worms destroy the inside of the nut. But if they burrow inside the nut, how are you going to spray them? You're not going to be, they're inside the nut. They're already growing. Right now, my, my biggest problem right now, my whole front is weeds over here for the, I just planted these uh, 900 trees of uh, cannery peach. Ooh. And uh, I've been busy with that in my whole front. Tractor driving and, and uh, whatnot. Irrigating. So you have uh, too many weeds right now? You got a weed problem? Yeah, I got to start with those, tack those things right now. Man, so what do you, how do you deal with it? We're just disking, and then I'm, later on, I'm probably going to spray something on somewhere. Right, dude. There's certain things that just, man, I don't know what herbicides are out there. There's a bunch out there. But, like, Roundup doesn't kill everything, folks. And we know this. Glyphosate doesn't kill everything. And there's, so there's got to be multiple methods of control when you're controlling weeds. And so Memo brought up that you disc it. Sometimes you disc the ground to rip the roots of the weeds out and stuff. So that way they kill them kind of so they don't continue to grow. And then there's another form of control via pesti uh, pesticide, which would be more of like an herbicide to kill the herbage, the herbage all around the plants. But that's okay. also a dangerous path too, right? You know, because you could yeah, maybe you hit your trees, you know, they're baby trees. There. Yeah. Yeah, you could kill a tree also too. For sure. We got Especially baby trees there. And they're, they're baby trees, like you said, you just planted them. They're a little more susceptible to being contaminated by the herbicide, right? Yeah. I got some... Uh... Nice carns covering the the base of the trees, but still, you know, that wind comes in and brings up that spray and gets on the top of the leaf, and that's it. And dries it all up. Damn. I did that to a, a, a dwarf Washington navel orange in my backyard one time. I was spraying fucking Roundup because I had this crazy amount of nut sedge taking over my little Washington orange, uh, navel orange, and I sprayed Roundup near it. And I fucking got some on one of the low-hanging branches. That shit died in like a week or two, dude. I'm not yep. kidding. It was so sad. I put so much love into that tree, and then it started getting taken over by this, this fucking weed, this, this type of grass called nut sedge that Roundup doesn't even kill anyway, so I didn't even kill it. I just killed my tree. It was sad. Wow. Yes. <laughs> but, when you, but that's okay because it was my one tree. But when you're dealing with field full of these trees, you can't be making yeah, those kind of mistakes. No mistakes like that, no. Right. You have to have professionals out there. We have to pe have people that are aware and, and educated to a degree in how to spray and what to spray and when to spray, all this stuff. 
Yeah, it's the most on that grafting stuff. Uh, all the new growth's been growing already right now, so you need to trim everything back, clean everything up. Make sure you tie everything the the new the new girls on the on the in night nurse and I'm gonna put a bamboo stick on there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so it's that time of year where like you're trying yeah. to like uh prune up the gra- newly grafted trees. Yes. Especially yeah. after harvest, everybody wants to prune. Right. You're canning peaches though. What's up with that like? So how long does it take to produce a, a significant amount of peaches to have them can, like to have them harvested and sent to the cannery? It's probably going to take me at least a couple more years, two, three years, until I get actually uh, good food to be able to send to the cannery. Before then, I'm probably going to just be sent, uh, selling to my neighbors or, or to my friends that come over. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. Hey, so like, so like three, four, five years, probably the peach trees have to be then to, to actually produce a, a quantifiable amount to worth like selling to the cannery. Yeah. Dang. That's a lot of investment, bro. Over yeah, so I'm telling you, and it's, farming is a gamble that's not too many people are in it. You know, a lot of people are getting out of it. So it's like, you have to really have, be passionate and have that love and to want to put some time and effort into growing a fruit and Hopefully, someone out there in the world is going to appreciate it, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's wild, bro. What a choice, man. I commend you, bro. That's what's up. <laughs> Thank you. I want some of them well, peaches, We'll definitely bro. be making it uh, go by there to the wake house and get one of those fancy drinks from you for sure. Oh, you I'll have to, bro. Bring there. us some peaches, bro. Bring us fruit, bro. At the bar, we like to infuse cocktails, bro. We like to use real fruit, man. We do nice. it the real OG way. We do raw ingredients. We craft cocktails from base materials. So we take fruit. We take herbs. I, I harvest the rosemary from my beautiful bushes in my backyard, and we do rosemary smoked old fashions. We do, like, we're going to do, like, a peach... Uh, we need peaches. That's why I'm talking to you about this specifically because we want to do like a, a twisted peach summer tea, you know, nice. but we need real peaches. We're not going to put fucking peach schnapps in there. It doesn't go. We need real peaches. I got other growers with other peaches, so I got, I, got, I got you covered. Hell yeah, bro. That's what's up. This weather's looking good. Like I said, it's barbecue season, you know, I'm trying to go swimming in the swimming pool during time with the family, but that just uh, this game, and you got to stay Stay ahead of the weather, you know, stay ahead, stay ahead of the heat, you know, drink drink a lot of water, you know, stay hydrated. Absolutely, bro, for sure. And stay eager out there, folks. Yeah, uh, any more shout-outs I can do? If I can do some more shout-outs, big uh, shout-out to Berkshire Nursery out there in uh, Clovis, off of Clovis in, in Fresno. And uh, we got uh, Dave Wilson Nursery out of Reedley, you know. Oh, I do know Dave Wilson Nursery, dude. I got some of his trees in my backyard, and they are mighty fine breeds. Yeah, man. I was, I was in Cahoots with them when I was younger, and still now, you know, still see their trees all over the valley, and it's nice to know that, you know, you're a part of that. Dude, shout out to Dave Wilson. You know, I want to have someone from Dave Wilson Nursery come on this podcast. If you hear this podcast, please reach out. We want I you will on. Get a hold of, I will get a hold of uh, one of the guys. Dude, that would be epic. I've had uh, Anthony Garcia from Zager's Genetics, so they work hand-in-hand hand together. But I would like to have someone from Dave Wilson Nursery. That would be awesome. Nice. We can make that happen pretty soon. Hell I'm yeah. Sure, I'm sure of it. Awesome, dude. I'm stoked about it. Memo, you're the man. 
I love to have my Cali Ag ad, my Cali Ag podcast correspondent right here on the Cali Ag podcast. Yeah, dude, I'm super stoked to have you. Um, I hope that you can come back on in a couple months, update us with that, with whatever else well, is going yeah, down. I'll try, you know? try to be more, a little bit more informative in what's going on out here. But yeah, it's just uh, stay alive, stay alert, everybody. You know, uh, farming, farming's it. You know, if you know somebody, hug a farmer. <laughs> Embrace the growers. And tell your farmers and friends about the Cali Ag Podcast. Out of Reed, California, you already know. This podcast was created by the Symbiosis Now Network and can be found on Instagram for clips, highlights, videos, blah, blah, blah at symbiosis.now.network. And you can listen to the Symbiosis Now podcast as well as the Cali Ag podcast on Spotify, Apple, and all the platforms. Listener, be sure to tell your friends about the Symbiosis Now Network.